she was told over and again. And the experts were still arguing as to whether the Rayburn was genuine or school of. The truth, Roland suspected, was that it was, as usual, a bit of both. As in recent times, the philosophy of the moment was that if you waited for something until you could afford it, you would still be awaiting it on your deathbed. With the Micawberish optimism of the comparatively young, they knew for a fact that British law would not permit them to starve. Tomorrow was always a lovely day. The sword of Damocles might have hung by a chain rather than a thread. A wedding need not be expensive, they told each other. A few pounds to the local registrar, a notice in the local rag, and the job's done. So they thought. They had reckoned without the many locals who they had not realised were also their friends. Roland might be a comparative newcomer, but he was well-known and well-liked, and Jane's great-grandfather had been a much-loved local citizen, especially by the ladies. Much of his popularity had rubbed off on Jane, who had lived her whole life in the town, and, having a sunny temperament and an obliging nature, made friends galore. As soon as the news spread about their impending nuptials, they found that large numbers of the locals not only wanted to know when the event was to take place, but expected to be invited to it. A stronger-minded couple might have returned from their honeymoon to present the locality with a fait accompli, but they were not so cunning or practical. Help was at hand. Not financial help. There was not a surplus of money in the neighbourhood, and they were too proud to accept handouts from wealthier friends, except in one or two very special circumstances. But Roland and Jane had each been living a shoestring existence, supplementing their meagre incomes with what they could grow or shoot or catch by rod, or sometimes, it must be admitted, abstract overnight from the well-filled gardens of others. They had also brought to a fine art the claiming from supermarkets at cut-throat prices the goods that were within a few hours of passing their sell-by dates. So they were, on the whole, well-versed in the art of being creatively economic with what they could afford. Jane, as a veterinary assistant, had been well-known and liked by the animal owners round about. She was popular with the locals of her generation. She had been at school with most of them. She was nice-looking, pretty, verging on beautiful, and she had a ready laugh with a turn of wit that made her welcome in most company. She had given unstinting service, especially to farmers, and was admired and respected by all she came into contact with in her professional role as the local vet. Consequently, the pair received many offers of meat or vegetables as gifts, or at silly prices towards the accumulation of the wedding feast. The chef at the local hotel was one of the few people who could afford to feed a great Dane on scraps left by the clientele, and Jane had nursed the huge dog through a crisis of pyometra. He offered to cook the wedding breakfast for them, and so it went on. Jane was offered the loan of a half-dozen wedding dresses, one of which was bound to fit her. Jane went, by invitation, to Hay Lodge, the most opulent house for miles around, to try one on. She dreaded the prospect of not liking the dress on offer, worried it was going to be some frumpy, overly ruffled and lacy Victorian concoction, but she needn't have concerned herself about that. The fit was perfect, and the dress was fit for a duchess, with a delicately gathered corset on the top half and opulently hooped skirt on the bottom. It was certainly vintage, but so timeless in its intricate design and style that no prospective bride could possibly turn down the chance of wearing such a piece of finery. I'll be almost too scared to wear it, she told Mrs Ilwand, the owner of the house and previous wearer of the dress in question. Nonsense, said the lady briskly, running her hand over the ivory silk with obvious pleasure. I know you'll take good care of it or I wouldn't be lending it to you. 
My grandmother was married in it, and so was my mother, and so was I. But I'll never have her daughter now, and you were very good to me whenever any of my menagerie had to be put down. It's the least I can do. Two dogs and a cat, Jane said, laughing. Big deal. But I will be careful. I really appreciate your generosity. It's such a beautiful dress. The pet you have at any particular time is invariably special. You were always a great comfort, knowing just the right thing to say. Mrs. Ilwand gave the dress one last loving stroke, and handed it over with just a hint of regret in her eyes, more for the lack of her own daughter to wear it than any regret at offering it to her, Jane hoped. Problems seemed to be solving themselves, but one of the largest obstacles was the subject of alcohol. Their chance of buying champagne for such a crowd of people was, at best, nil. However, Jane was a lady of many talents. She could shoot as well as most men, ride a horse or a bike.